All right. <laughs> All right. Come back here at 6 o'clock tonight, and you're going to be blessed. We're going to have a great time tonight. Thank you so much, ladies. Wonderful, wonderful. Turn, if you would, uh, to 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20. We've been going through the book of 1 Kings. We're down uh, to the uh, closing, uh, kind of like real estate, you know, always closing. Uh, but uh, we still got a couple of more chapters to go. We're in chapter 20 today. Chapter 20, beginning in verse 22. Now, I want you to think on the topic this morning that the God of the hills is still God in the valleys. It's a whole lot more fun to live on the hill, but he's still God. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word, beginning in verse 22 of 1 Kings 20. And the prophet came to the king of Israel, said unto him, Go, strengthen thyself, and mark, and see what thou doest. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up against thee. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And do this thing. Take the kings away, every man out of his place, and put captains in their rooms. Number thee an army, like the army that thou hast lost, horse for horse, chariot for chariot, and we will fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. And he hearkened unto their voice and did so. Verse 26, it came to pass at the return of the year that Benadad numbered the Syrians, went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. There came a man of God, spake unto the king of Israel, and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but is not God of the valleys. Therefore, will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And they pitched one over against the other seven days. So it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined, and the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek into the city, and there a wall fell upon 27,000 of the men that were left. And Benadad and, and, uh, came into the city, into an inner chamber. And his servants said unto him, Behold, now we've heard the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins, ropes upon our heads, go out to the king of Israel, peradventure, he will save thy life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins, put ropes on their heads, came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant Benadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, this is Ahab now, Ahab said, Is he yet alive? Well, he's my brother. Now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him, did hastily catch it, and they said, Thy brother Benadad... Then he said, Go ye, bring him. Then Benadad came forth to him, and he caused him to come up into the chariot. And Benadad said unto him, The cities which my father took from thy father I will restore. 
Thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. Then said Ahab, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. Father, thank you this morning. Lord, have mercy. Thank you that you hold us fast. Whether we're in the valley or whether we're on the hill, you hold us fast. God, I pray this morning that you would just reach down and touch us where we are. Everyone in this place, Lord, we're a needy people. We need you. Oh, how we need you. Have your way in every life in this auditorium. God, may this be the beginning of new days. Lord, do as you want to do. and We'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Ahab is a wicked king. His wife, Jezebel, even more wicked than he. The Bible says that out of all of the kings, Ahab was the most evil king out of all of them. Yet I submit to you that in the midst of his evilness, in the midst of his wickedness, God is still helping him. God's still helping him here. Benadad has 32 different kings with him, and he wars against the children of Israel. And to back up, we don't have time to go back all the way to the beginning of chapter 20. Read that at home this afternoon instead of watching the Cowboys. When you go back there, you find out that the nation of Syria came against Ahab and the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel just took them to task. I mean, just literally beat the daylights out of them there. And then uh, everybody's rejoicing and all. And God tells them, the prophet of God tells them, look, don't get too excited now. Stay ready because uh, Benadad's going to come again at the turn of the year. Listen, when you're in the valley and you win a victory, watch out because it's not over with. Sometimes we think, oh, I won that battle, and I, we're through. No, the devil will be back again. It's not over with there. And so he says uh, what's happened this second time here, or actually the first time, uh, Benadad comes and tells Ahab, hey, I want all your wives, I want all your gold, I want all your silver. And Ahab's about ready to give it to him. And then uh, he comes back and he says, I tell you what, I want everything you got. I want anything you like. I want it. I want, it's mine. And Ahab said, no, we're not going to do that. The prophet came, and he said, I'm going to deliver you. And after I deliver you, you'll know that I am the Lord your God. I'm not going to sit back and let some heathen uh, country with some heathen false gods mock me and take the children of Israel in victory. So great victory was won. God used Israel to win the victory. But at the turn of the year, Benadad's coming back, and that's where we take up uh, here this morning here. Now, the reason the Syrians are coming back with a new army is because they have understood this in their minds that the Israelites' gods are gods of the hills. So if they can get Israel down here in the valley, they can whoop them. I mean, they got them 137,000, we know, and probably some more too. But if we can get them into the valley, see, their gods are god of the hills. But if we can get them down here in the valley, we can whip them. And I, I imagine God just thought, you know, you boys don't know who I am. I, I'm not just a God when you're on top. I'm not just a God when you're in the hills. I'm not just a God when things are going right. 
When you go down in the valley, and there are a lot of us in the valley this morning, we'd love to live our life on the hill. Amen? I would. You don't, if you don't want to, you'd be in the valley if you want to. I'd love, wouldn't you? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who does this. I keep my checking account on my phone. And the reason I do that is because when I write a check or do a debit card, I got to make sure I got money in the bank to cover it. I'm thinking, wouldn't it be nice just to write a check and all and not have to worry about whether it could cover it or not? I mean, you had all the money you need. Wouldn't it be nice this morning to have all the friends and nobody ever talked behind your back? Nobody stabbed you in the back? Nobody ever said, did you hear? Uh, nobody ever did. Wouldn't that be nice to live on the mountain with friends like that? Wouldn't it be nice to have the finance? Uh, marriage, never, oh, never a, a cross word. Whew. I remember that old man that, way back in the back that raised his hand and said, my wife and I have been married 60 years and we've never had a cross word. Somebody over here hollered, grab your billfold and he'll lie, he'll steal. Wouldn't it be nice to have a marriage, no crosswords, no problems, everything great? Wouldn't it be nice to have health? I mean, no matter how old you got, you, you were strong and you were, you were just ready to go for it. The health was no problem, no trials, no difficulty. Wouldn't that be great? And one day it's going to happen. One day the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise, and those of us who remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the skies. It's going to happen. But it's not right now. It's not right now. Sometimes trials take you down in the valley. Sometimes money gets tight. Sometimes friends are difficult to deal with, and marriages get tense. In fact, I'll be honest with you, sometimes families just act downright crazy. Sometimes death comes. As your pastor, I want to tell you, it grieves me to know what many of you are going through. It grieves me to know that sickness and fighting within families and trying to get by financially, it grieves me that you're losing jobs and facing cancer and facing COVID and lost a loved one or a rebellious child or a mean boss or the wicked flesh. And I wish... I wish I could just trade places. I wish I could solve all your problems. I wish I could, could literally have a remedy that would fix you. I got something better. I got a word from God. Thus saith the Lord. When you're in the valley, let me tell you, the greatest thing you can have is a word from God. It's a word from God. That's the greatest thing you can have. I, the God I serve, listen to me this morning. I'm not talking about Muhammad. I'm not talking about Buddha or Mary or the Pope or a cow or a church or baptism or a millionaire or an evangelist. I'm not talking about the president. I'm talking about Jesus, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Nisi. I could go on and on. I didn't come here this morning to talk about a dead God. I'm telling you, our God is alive. And he's the same on the mountain that he is in the valley right now this morning. He rules, he reigns, he's able, he's unchangeable. He was and is and shall be to come. When things are going good, He's God. When things are going great, He's God. When you got good health, He's God. When your kids are obeying you, if that ever happens, He's God. 
When the job is good, he's God. When things are running smooth, he's God. But I want to tell you this morning, when the trials come and the problems are there and you don't know where the next dollar's coming from and there's friction in the marriage and there's stress in the job, he's still God. He's God of the valley as well as God on the mountain. The God we serve, he's God, period. Now let me just go through here quickly this morning. Number one, you see confrontations. In verse 23, the servants of the king of Syria said, their gods are gods of the hills, therefore they're stronger, but let us fight them down here in the valley, in the plains, and we're going to get them. Listen, when you're in the valley, get ready, because you've got a round target on your back, and the devil's going to do everything he can to destroy you. I don't care who you are. You say, well, my family... I don't care how long your family has been in the Lord's work. I don't care how long. I, none of that makes any difference. The devil wants to destroy you. And we're watching him destroy lives now. We're watching him shut churches down and destroy uh, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The toughest battles are those that we fight in the valley. Verse 26, it came to pass at the return of the year, Benadad numbered the Syrians, went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. Children of Israel were numbered. Everybody's present, went against them. The children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of goats. Can you see this? Here's two little old flocks of goats over here, and here's the entire Syrian army that fills the country is what the Word of God says. Wow. It's a confrontation. Have you ever been there when it felt impossible? When it felt like there's nothing you could do? There's no way out of this. I'm telling you, my, my goose is cooked. I am not getting out of this. But God. <laughs> God showed, listen to me, child of God. Straighten up. Straighten up. Get up. Walk with a little skip in your step, amen? Because you're a child of the king. And the God you serve is not only God in the mountains, he's God in the valley. Then there's an apparent advantage. Because there's a big size difference. Israel's like two flocks of kids over here. The Syrians fill the country. They're outnumbered. They're outranked. Verse 23 tells us that they're low and struggling. You see, the devil has already predicted that the children of God are going to lose because their God's a God of the hills, not the God of the plains. So if we can get them down here, I want to tell you, we're, we're going to beat them down here. We got, the, we got the strength. We got the numbers. We got the ranking. We're going to beat them down there. But always remember, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I won't tell you, it doesn't really make any difference how much is stacked against you as long as God is for you. And I won't tell you, it comes a time when it looks like everything's going against me. Becky and I have been trying to go to Colorado to look at the leaves. I guess we're just not supposed to go. Two different weekends. Last week we had a, well, I saw a problem. I had a motorhome and it, it didn't have a, uh, a sticker that had been good for two or three months. So I decided we'd better not go up. This, this week we headed up, got up to Linden, motorhomes spitting and misfiring and all of that stuff. We stop in Atlanta, and uh, the guy can't work on it. He said, look, my advice to you is to head back to Longview. Because the closer you get to Longview, the cheaper your towing bill is going to be. 
I said, okay. <laughs> We're standing there in the trailer in the motor home. And this guy said, let me pray with y'all before you go. And boy, I mean, he just prayed God's protection. I'm going to tell you, there were a couple of times we didn't think it was going to happen. But see, when you call God in, you don't even up the numbers. You, in fact, you don't increase the numbers. We were sitting in the middle of Highway 59 and 49 in Jefferson for, what, 15 minutes? <laughs> Becky doesn't like adventures. I'm thrilled, <laughs> you know. I love it when people blow their horns and all. You just wave. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Look at those people. They're saluting us. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Finally, we got out of that intersection. Hey, it looks like, if it looks like the devil's going to Listen, child of God, remember who you are. You're a child of the king. The advantage. It looks like there's no way. But look at the promise of God. Verse 28. There came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel. And he said, Thus saith the Lord. Now listen to this closely. Because the Syrians have said. Now he didn't say, Ahab, because you're king. Because I don't tell you, he's about ready to kill Ahab anyway. And he does. He said, because the Syrians have said that their God is only the God of the hills, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to wipe all of them out, and I'm going to hand them to you so that you will know that I am God. What a promise of God. See, the best thing you can have when you're in the valley is a word from the Lord. It amazes me. It amazes me that when people go in the valley, the first thing they do is go home, drop their Bible, and never open it again. It amazes me that when people go in the valley, they quit coming to church. It, it amazes me that when people go in the valley, they stop claiming the promises of God. That's when you ought to be claiming the promises of God. That's when you ought to be in the house of God. That's when you ought to be in the Word of God, when you're in the valley. You can't trust your emotions when you get in the valley. You can't trust the people around you when you get in the valley. And I will tell you, you can't draw strength from a golf game. I hear these preachers say, well, if I can just get play golf. I'll be strengthened up. I'll tell you, every time I play golf, I'm wore out. <laughs> Chasing my ball all over the whole world, you know, trying to find the thing. And then God love you. Listen. I've got, and I know you mean well, I've probably got 30 that you have been so gracious to give me. These little balls. Preacher, if you'll take that ball and hold that ball and squeeze it, it'll help you. It ain't never helped me. I've probably got 30 of them on my cabinets. So don't bring me no more. I got plenty already, all right? I mean, I'm squeezing with both hands and my toes and everything else, and it's still not helping me. But I tell you what will help you. Thus saith the Lord. That'll help you. I tell you what will help you. When you claim that promise that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. 
I'll tell you what will help you when you understand that nay in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'll tell you what will help you if God be for us, who can be against us? I mean, those are the promises of God. I, I think about Caleb and Joshua. They go with 12 people over to look at Canaan land, the promised land, and they all come back and say, it's wonderful. It's just like they said, but we can't do it. We can't do it. They're too big. It's, 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 it's impossible. The advantage is nowhere. We can't do it. But Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can. You don't understand, Joshua. You don't understand, Cana. Uh, 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 you, you don't understand, Caleb. So you, y'all, y'all are too young to know. And they said, no, it's, it ain't got anything to do with being young. It's got to do with our God said he would help us. But they didn't do it. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three of them that said, we're not going to bow to a false god. We're not going to worship. And the king, he was good friends with him. He said, look, look hey, king, listen. Nothing against you, but here's the deal. If God delivers us, and he can, we're going to praise him. But if it don't work out the way we want it to, if we don't live through this, just know this, that we're still praising him. And the king fires up that furnace, and he says, my, my, my. Didn't we throw three of them in there? Yeah. Well, there looks like there's four in there now. And one of them looks like God. It was. <laughs> it was. Listen, claim the promises of God. I'm not talking about uh, just, you know, name it, claim. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting in the Word of God and claiming the promises that God has for us. Then I want you to note the progress that was going on. Verses 29 and 30 there. They were winning the battle. The Bible says that 100,000 of them were killed on that first day. It took them seven days back and forth. And then the children of Israel slew of the Syrians 100,000 footmen in one day. That's a pretty good war right there. When you got two, looks like flocks of goats going against the country that's full of Syrians. And you kill 100,000 Syrians. I'd say God had a pretty good day. Yeah. But just by coincidence. I mean, it ain't got nothing to do with God. It surely doesn't have anything to do with the sovereignty of God or the blessings of God. But just by coincidence, 27,000 of them got away. And they ran to the city. Can you see them? They've got their cigarettes out. They've got the coffee or the drinks or whatever. Whew. I'm sure glad we got out of that mess when we did. Man, we lost 100,000. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a wall falls on them and kills 27,000 more. Isn't coincidence good? <laughs> I'm telling you, when you've got God, you've got victory. If God be for us, with God all things are possible. Listen, there's nothing more exciting in the Christian life than watching the devil run from somebody who's standing for God. I love to see him run. Don't quit, folks. I don't care how old you get. I don't care how feeble we get. I fell in a ditch the other night. And Becky said, you know, we're just getting too old. I don't ever say that again. 
Hey, you keep going to the last breath you've got. I read about this retired man that was sitting on the porch up in Kentucky. And he saw the mail truck come by, put his Social Security check in the mail mailbox. He got off at the rocking chair, strolled down to the lane and got his check out. On the way back, he thought, my goodness, is this what my life's going to be? I mean, is this all I'm going to do the rest of my life? I'm going to sit here on the front porch and rock and just get my check every month and that's it? Now, I want to tell you, there are some days when that sounds pretty good. <laughs> but he didn't like it. He took out a legal pad and he began to write down all of the gifts, all of the blessings, the talents, everything that he had going for him. He listed everything, even the small things. One of the small things he listed was the fact that nobody, he was the only person alive that knew his mama's recipe for fried chicken. She used 11 different herbs. Nobody else knew it. And so he went down to the local restaurant, asked if he could get a job. True story, cooking chicken. Very soon, the chicken became the most popular item on the menu. He opened his own restaurant. Then he opened a string of restaurants. Then he sold his Kentucky Fried Chicken to a national franchise and made millions upon millions of dollars. He refused to accept defeat Colonel Harlan Sanders. And they're still making money off the dude, even today. Listen, don't back up. Don't quit. Move forward. God is a God of forward, not a God of reverse. Now, let me give you the last thing, and I'm through. It's a sad outcome. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, verse 31 and 32 they girded, 32 says, they girded the sackcloth on their loins, put ropes on their head, came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant, Benadad, saith, I pray thee, let me live. He comes to Ahab, and he said, I pray thee, let me live. And now look what Ahab told him. Look in verse 32. He said, is he yet alive? He is my brother. You idiot. He's come twice to destroy you. And yet now, he is my brother? Come on now. He goes from victory to a foolish, foolish outcome. He starts calling the enemy his brother. I've seen folks, now listen, don't take this wrong. And we, we need to be very careful that we never get hard-hearted about helping people. Never. I'd rather, hey, I'd rather go to heaven and, and people say, well, you were an idiot to help this one or you were, I don't give a rip. I want to be as merciful and as helpful because that's the way Christ has dealt with me. But I've watched you as a church. I've watched individuals. I've watched this church as a whole. I've watched us pay bills. I've watched us uh, buy vehicles. I've watched us uh, uh, pay utility bills and buy groceries and buy clothes and help people up and pick people up. And the next thing you know, they're yoked up with the enemy again. And you think, what's wrong with you? What, what, what is the deal? I mean, God found us in the valley. 
Most of us friends had left us and disowned us. And God in his holiness reached down and picked us up, planted our feet on the solid rock. We were sick and we were broke and we were blind and we were lost and we were in trouble. And Jesus comes in and gives us peace and joy. He pays our bills. He brought us out of the sinful mess, saved our wicked souls, picked us up. And I'm glad we got out of the valley. Amen? But God forbid that we yoke up with the devil again. He didn't have to get you out of the valley. He didn't have to save your soul. Now, and now, Ahab, you're sitting at the table negotiating with the enemy. Now listen. I wrote this down because I'm getting old and senile. I don't want to be misquoted. If some nut got you in sin and a holy God reached down and got you out of sin, you need to break ties with the nut that got you in sin. Say, preacher, that's harsh. You know what happened to Ahab? Look at verse 42. He said unto him, God speaking to Ahab, thus saith the Lord, because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I appointed unto utter destruction, therefore thy life shall go for his life, and thy people for his people. God said, I told you to wipe him out. You didn't do it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wipe you out. Hmm. Ahab, I came one time and I gave you victory. I came a second time and I gave you victory. You defeated him again. And now you've got the gall to call him your brother? Listen to me this morning. There's a lot of compromising going on all around us. And a lot of people are signing the deal. The sin is not in signing the deal. You say, now wait a minute. What do you mean the sin's not in signing the deal? No. The sin is not in signing the deal. The sin is ever sitting down to the table the first time. To even think you can negotiate with the devil is a, is a crazy idea. He's far greater than you. Here's how you know when you're blinded. Some of you are blinded this morning. I want to tell you the truth. You know you're blinded when the preacher that's trying to help you or the deacon that's trying to help you, or the Sunday school teacher that's trying to help you, or the Christian mom and daddy that's trying to help you, or when whoever it is that's trying to help you becomes the recipient of your wrath instead of the one trying to hurt you, let me tell you, you're blinded. That person that got you committing immorality, that's not your friend. That church member got you gossiping, that's not your friend. Hmm. That person whines and dines and mocks your God. That's not your friend. I can't believe he said that in church. You better just be thankful I didn't call your name out. <laughs> We're here to learn from these experiences in the Old Testament. Dr. Ed Young last week, one of my preacher friends called me and said, you need to listen to that sermon. I did. I got back on there and Dr. Ed Young from Second Baptist Houston, he said this and made one statement. 
I, I couldn't believe. He said, there are many in this place today who want to sleep with God. They just don't want to marry God. Hmm. Son, that hit home pretty good. There's a lot of folk wanting to have fellowship and do all this stuff, but they, still, they don't want to be committed now. They don't want to be consecrated. They don't want to be dedicated. They just want to have fun, sleep with God, but they don't want to be married. Bonhoeffer, and if you get an opportunity in the Longview News Journal, I don't recommend it very much, but in the <laughs> Longview News Journal on the religion page, Bill Tinsley has an article that he wrote this week. He's a fine guy, loves the Lord, and that's still about the only thing they carry worth reading in there. Uh, the rest of it is going to be a woman dressed up as a pastor that's LBGTBQ, or, you know, all of that stuff. But anyway, Tinsley said he talks with Dr. Billy Graham in the 60s. And uh, he said, Dr. Graham was worried that we made grace too easy. He was worried that we made grace too easy. And he quoted Bonhoeffer in World War II that said this, we poured grace into many people but the call to follow God in the narrow way was hardly ever heard. And I want to tell you, I know I'm looking at a great crowd. I love you folk. But I want to tell you the truth. The life ahead of us is not going to be easier. It's going to get harder. And you're going to have to come to the place where you're either going to have to finish the deal or make another deal. And there's a lot of folk making another deal with somebody else. There's a lot of preachers preaching this morning. All you got to do is come to Jesus and then go on, leave, do whatever you want to do. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're a new creature. You're going you're to have to repent of that sin, ask God to forgive you, and the walking of Christ is going to be a narrow road. It's a narrow road. I... Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all you care upon him, for he cares for you. And that's an exact quote, really, from Psalm 55. Cast your burden on the Lord, he shall sustain thee. He'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. Elisha Hoffman loved those verses. And uh, he was born a, a pastor's son. He surrendered to the ministry. He was saved when he was 15, surrendered to the ministry soon after that. He was helping lower uh, down and out people and everything. And one, one day, he came upon this woman who was just utterly depressed. I mean, his heart just broke. He, he just cried within himself. She was so broken. She was so distressed. She was so depressed there. And she was wringing her hands, and she looked at Elijah Hoffman, and she said, what, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And he said, ma'am, I, I, I don't have any answer for you. All I could tell you to do is to, to tell, tell your problems to Jesus. That's all I can tell you to do. And in a few minutes, she lit up. She said, that's what I'll do. I'll tell my problems to Jesus. I've got to tell Jesus my problems. He went home with that ringing in his ears, I must tell Jesus. And he wrote these words, I must tell Jesus 
I must tell Jesus I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Now let me tell you something this morning, the truth. If you're here in this congregation, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's not a thing I can do to help you. There's not a thing this church can do to help you. There's not a thing an evangelist can do to help you. There's not a thing a TV preacher can do to help you. Not a thing. The only thing that will help you where you are right now is coming to tell Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin, and I invite you to take over my life. And Jesus will help you. He'll help you. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, and you are saved, but you say, Brother Charles, my heart's far away from God, this church can help you. These people can help you. We can encourage you. We can lift you up. We can hold you accountable. We can be a blessing to you. That's after you get saved. After you, uh, before you're saved, there's nobody going to help you but Jesus. That's it. Maybe this morning you need a church home. You've been praying. And if God hadn't given you an answer, please don't join this church. We got more folks we can say grace over. But if God's given you an answer and said, I want you here. I want you serving the Lord here. Then I'm asking you, what are you waiting on? Are you waiting for God to finally just nail it down and give you the final appointment? Maybe this morning, though, you just need to come to an old-fashioned altar and bow your head before the Lord and say, Lord, I failed you, but I want to serve you. Would you restore me? Now, I don't know. Well, I do know. Based upon 1 John 1, 9, according to the Word of God, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. Now listen, that's not where it stops. That'll make a Baptist happy. But I tell you, when you get on shouting ground, when you hear that He not only forgives us our sin, but He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, then you're ready to see Jesus. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to come into your house to worship you. I pray, Lord Jesus, for every soul that's in this place today. Oh, God, those that need to be saved, please, dear God, don't let them walk out of here without trusting you. Lord, it could be their life any time, and then it would be too late. Lord, for those that need to make other decisions, I pray we'd not wait. But the moment this group leads us in the first word, we would not give the devil the time to work on our minds. We would say, I'm going to do what God said to do. I'm going to follow Jesus. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Stand with me as we sing. You come. Come on right now. <laughs>